Hello, it is Tuesday, June the 28th, and I bet that you have not even been able to sleep, focus, or concentrate since yesterday's podcast episode when we learned that Psalm 16 is all about Jesus and by Jesus to the Father. Wow, what a revelation and what a new understanding for this chapter. And so today we are going to use that key, who that Holy One is, it's the Lord Jesus Christ, to understand truly and fully what's going on in Psalm chapter number 16, a special psalm, a golden psalm, a psalm that must be remembered forever as all of them, but especially this one. And if you remember from yesterday, we saw in Acts chapter two, how Peter, the apostle, explicitly said that David, the prophet, wrote this psalm concerning Christ, looking forward to Christ's resurrection. In fact, yesterday we saw how it was the closing argument, if you would, in Paul, or excuse me, Peter's sermon at Pentecost, right before those thousands of people got saved because of their conviction. And so I'm going to read just the first six verses today, because those are the verses we'll be looking at. We'll look at the rest tomorrow, Lord willing, verses seven through 11. But I'll begin reading Psalm 16, verse one, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. So let's have a Bible study, okay? So verse number one, it says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. I listened back to yesterday's podcast, and I said at the end how it is Jesus speaking to God. Now, I mean that, but understand when I say that, I mean God the Son speaking to God the Father, because Jesus Christ was 100% God. He was also 100% man, but he was also completely God at the same time. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He hungered, thirsted, he grew weary, as in he got tired, he slept, but he prayed to his father for protection. He said in verse number one again, preserve me, O God. We know that Jesus prayed in John 12, 27 and 28, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Now that's just extraordinary. It's amazing to me as I study the Bible and I study especially the relationship that God the Son in the flesh had with God the Father. Now they were both God. They were equally God. And yet God the Son, the expression of God the Father in the flesh, made himself obedient to the Father. He said in verse one, again, Psalm 16, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Now, I want you to consider this. If Christ thought it necessary to ask the Father for protection and trust him for it, 
How much more should we? Verse number two says, O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. And it goes on. But I, I have to point this out to you because you can't see it. But if you're working and you're listening, it says, Thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. But if you see it in writing, Lord is in all capital letters, the first instance of Lord. Thou hast said unto the Lord, then it says, Thou art my Lord. And just the L is capitalized. Now, I said it before, I'll remind you, when it's in all capital letters, we know when Lord is in all capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that means what class? Do you remember? It means Jehovah. It means the God who keeps his promises. It's his covenant name. It is his name. It's the name of God. So thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. Lord there meaning master, master. In Luke twenty two forty two, the Bible says saying father, meaning Christ praying father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You see how the son made himself obedient to the father. He did his father's will. Hebrews 5, 8 says, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now that's another extraordinary verse. How can Christ learn anything? Well, maybe experientially, but learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now God is Lord. I want you to understand this. God seated on his throne is the Lord Jehovah. He is God. He's in control. Nothing that you can do or not do will change that. He will be God. He is God. One day you'll confess that if you haven't already. But it's not enough to believe that God is real, to know that there is a God. God is on his throne. The devils also believe and tremble. But you must submit to his authority by making him your master or your Lord, capital L, lowercase o-r-d. Again, I'll read verse two. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Jehovah, thou art my Lord, master. Now, the only way you can do that in your life is by submission, which is only possible through trust, and trust is faith. If you hesitate to submit to God and to his word, what the Bible says, it is a lack of faith that causes you to do so. Continuing in verse two, my goodness extendeth not to thee, verse three, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Christ's sacrifice did not add goodness to the father. He's perfect. Nothing will ever improve God. But the love, grace, and mercy of God the Father was extended through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the very expression of himself. And because of Jesus, if you have received him by faith, you are a saint in the eyes of God. You, no matter how lowly, how poor, how wretched, you are excellent in the eyes of God. Not because of your own goodness, but because of who you have living in you and working through you. Verse number four, their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer nor take up their names 
into my lips. If a person rejects Christ, they are considered the enemy of God. The wrath of God abides upon them. If a person tries to satisfy his immense spiritual needs in this life outside of Christ, he finds no relief, no comfort, no satisfaction. He only multiplies his sorrows. Someone has said, he who has many gods has many sorrows. Verse number five, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, in case you're following along, the Lord, Jehovah, is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. It's amazing. Christ wanted nothing more than the Father allotted to him in his time and in his way. When it says the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup, cup there is what has been given you to do. And we know that Jesus came to fulfill his father's will. The last bit of verse five says, thou maintainest my lot. Verse six, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. The father would protect, preserve, confirm, guide, secure. And because of that assurance that Christ had, Everything that followed was assured to be pleasant and a delight, perfect in every way. When it says line, the lines are fallen unto me, means a property line that a surveyor would put down. And a goodly heritage is what's coming to you. And the goodly heritage, have you ever wondered what that was? Now, I've heard some sermons there with probably well-meaning preachers, perhaps taking it a little bit out of context. When you uh, maybe not, you, you don't have the key from Acts chapter two that this is Christ speaking here, talking about Christ and by Christ. And Christ is saying, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. What I'm getting is pleasant, it's good. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. What's the heritage? What is that goodly or awesome or perfect or attractive heritage? Guess who it is? Guess what it is? If you're born again, it's you. 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3 say this, talking about the elder or pastor of the church says, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but by being in samples to the flock. You, if you're a member of the church, you've been saved you are God's heritage. And Jesus looked across the ages and he said, I have a goodly heritage. And we can turn that around. What is our heritage? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus is truly all we need. I want to give you something to think about and then we'll be done. Have you ever noticed that the Christians with the most joy the most zip in their step, the most praise are those who have gone through abundant hardship and trials, but have trusted God through it. They had faith. They allowed those trials to do what God intended them to do, and that is to grow and strengthen their faith. They approached those trials with faith by trusting God and didn't allow it to create bitterness in their heart and turn them against God. Now, 
At first, you might conclude when you see somebody with praise on their lips, having gone through trials, you might say, what faith? In spite of all they've gone through, they're still praising God. Incredible. Against all odds. So unusual. But as you study the word and you really ponder that, in reality, you don't really understand the faithfulness of God until you have relied upon him in the difficult times. It is not until you have experienced the forgiveness of sin that you can praise God for his mercy. And it is because of trials that we can have clarity to see God for who he really is and discover that he is abundantly more than enough. Jesus Christ knew all that he was going to go through. He saw the cross. He saw the rejection, the shame, but he despised the shame looking ahead to what was to come after it. He had faith in God. He had faith in in God, his father, that he would be preserved. He had put his trust in the father. God, the son had put his trust in God, the father, because he knew that God was always good and God always did right. Today, you have a goodly heritage, the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're saved. Today, you can look to the Lord and pray. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage.